Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the second and, as of right now, final installment in my Tron movie review series. Today I am reviewing Tron Legacy. This is your host, Corbin. I'm pretty excited for this one. I have watched Tron Legacy more times than I can count, but before I get too far into the review, make sure to check the description below. We have timestamps down there so you can jump straight into the review, jump straight into my rating and recommendation for the film. We also have links to all of our different pages, a curated list of movies we think you'd like to watch after this one, other movies we reviewed from 2010, our Patreon page with some great bonus content over there. So we have tons of stuff in the description below. You don't want to miss out on those things. And no matter where you're listening, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a short written review. So back in 2008, 2009, they did show the first footage for Tron Legacy. The funny thing is that footage never makes it into the final film. It's more of a proof of concept more than anything, but it still got me super hyped. I was so eager for this movie that, and it just perfectly coincided because the town that I live in at the time opened up the largest IMAX theater and it was the first film shown there. It was also shown in IMAX 3D. I went to the very first showing. Uh, I believe I got out of school for it. It was on a Friday. Uh, yeah, that's right. It was on a Friday, December 17th. I went the first showing in the morning and it was an unforgettable experience. I went and saw it with my family. It was just a truly jaw-dropping experience seeing it in the IMAX, that IMAX sound, especially in 3D. I loved the IMAX 3D. I thought it was totally immersive. Um, at the time, I was 15 years, 10 months, and 6 days old. So I was going on 16 years old. I was probably the perfect candidate to see this movie. Now I am going on 27. So um, yeah, it's been a little over 11 years since I saw Tron Legacy in IMAX. Well, listeners, I am about to get into all these spoilers of Tron Legacy. So if you have not seen the film, first of all, where have you been? Second of all, I believe it should be streaming on Disney+. Plus. It's definitely available to purchase on Blu-ray and DVD or digital. So definitely go ahead and check it out and come back and click play once you've watched it and we'll be ready to talk about it. The first thing that I just have to get out of the way when talking about Tron Legacy is the visual effects. They are truly incredible, and I would say for the most part hold up today. Kozinski's eye for the digital world is very incredible, and Lisberger did not come back to direct. He did stay on to produce. He really viewed himself more of, and this is his own words, he viewed himself more as like an Obi-Wan or a Yoda. He really is here to give guidance. He didn't want to direct. It had been many, many years. It had been decades, many decades, actually, um, by this point. It was going on about 30 years since Tron had, you know, hit theaters in 1982. So he really just wasn't up 
to making a film, but the story did resonate with Lishberger because he did have a son that was around Sam's age in this movie. So he really loved being able to produce, being able to guide, and getting to see his creation from almost 30 years ago really come to fruition and see kind of fans' dreams come alive. And they really do come alive in a way that he could maybe only imagine back in the early 80s. Because at this point, visual effects were really at that point where they could make something really look real. We could really buy that we were in the digital world. And that's exactly what Kaczynski wanted. He wanted it to feel like he took a camera into the grid and he was just filming this stuff in the grid. And it, I really, something I never knew before this, before I researched the film, but now that I can see it is that Kozinski comes from an architectural background. So his design is really incredible, really, you know, bringing a level of design dimension that, you know, most people probably wouldn't think of in the digital world. And he brings a lot of really earthy stuff also to it that I think seems surprising to some people, but I think was a smart choice. So that's why I'm personally flabbergasted. This did not get nominated for best visual effects. I think that's a travesty. I think the Academy really overlooked this movie for a number of things. I think the one visual effect component at the time was very exciting, but has not aged well over the years is the young Kevin Flynn. I really do applaud them for trying. This is one of the very early instances of de-aging for across the entire movie, not just really in one short instance or like a TV episode. But, you know, it's still not quite there yet. Um, it is far more advanced than it was back then. I think it's a really incredible idea. I personally would love to see them, Disney, go back in, redo all of it to make it look better because, um, you know what? I want to give credit where credit is due. Let me look this up really quick. So Shamook, who you definitely need to go follow over on YouTube, I believe he has actually been hired by Disney or, or one of those companies or Lucasfilm or something. Um, he, his video improving Tron legacy using deep fakes is a much better improvement over it. I, it's really incredible. To me, it looks almost perfect. So it looks like some other people have tried as well. I would love to see Disney go back and redo that and maybe push out an updated version for it. I, I think that would improve the film. Honestly, I think it's a little distracting seeing young Jeff Bridges look a little plastic, look a little toy out, excuse me, look a little toyetic with these new visuals. I mean, Tron, the original was always on the cutting edge of what it was trying to push. And that's why I applaud them for trying to push the cutting edge here. But I would love to see some kind of update to at least that aspect of the film. One of my other favorite components of this movie is Daft Punk's score. I can't even tell you how often I've listened to it. It's been on repeat for me frequently throughout the years. Even at one point, I actually opened up Audacity and mixed some of their um, songs together, making a super score for the film. Um, that was just something really fun to do. Also, Kaczynski takes the action of the original to an all new level. You could see what they were doing with the light cycles and the disc battles in the original film. 
they're not terribly exciting. I still think it's a really cool concept, but this is really, really bringing it into what it probably always was meant to be. I also find the story for this film to be pretty smart. Flynn has disappeared for years, which I think was a kind of a big twist to a lot of fans. I know it was for me when I first watched the film and his son, Sam, finds him in the grid and bringing Clue back as the villain was a huge twist considering Clue was erased in the first film. So bringing Clue back and making him the bad guy and there's just this weird kind of family triangle going on and also once again, this is kind of playing off of what they did in the first film. Having Tron not be, you know, front and center throughout the whole thing, but he's still always there, but in a twisty way. In fact, Tron is now Rinsler. He has been repurposed by Clue until Tron turns back at the end, realizing that he fights for the users. I, I mean, I just loved it. I thought it was a brilliant idea. They also reach for some really transcendental ideas with the ISOs, with something that just kind of sprung up out of creation in the grid that Flynn could have never foresaw. What could these ISOs do? You know, it kind of makes me think of, you know, Ghost in the Machine or iRobot. You know, someday they'll have secrets. Someday they'll have dreams. You know, could these things cure cancer? Could these things be incredible? But of course, they are ultimately destroyed by Clue, except one is left. And then bringing... The idea of bringing the digital into the physical world is very fascinating, actually, because I think it's been done a lot of, you know, the real world, the physical world being digitized or, you know, going into something like that. But what happens when you bring it out? Um, I think that was ripe for a sequel to explore and maybe it will someday. It's also a physical manifestation of the master control program. The master control program was manipulating real world events, but what happens if literally the master control program was, you know, physically in the world messing things up? That would be very interesting. The real thing that I'm just disappointed with with this film is that there are loose threads at the end. Pretty much everybody's plot is open to interpretation. What happens? Where do they go? It's one of those movies that leaves it all on a cliffhanger, pretty much. And to me, that spells we're anticipating a sequel, or they're wanting the hype to be so big that Disney will just have to do a sequel. A lot of this is feeling very reminiscent to what we just reviewed with Denis Villeneuve's Dune, where the sequel was not greenlit when Dune just came out. Um, even some of the thought process into filming Dune sounds very similar to Denis and Kaczynski's um, thought process. The fact that Disney didn't plan to finish this off as a trilogy and just left it hanging sort of like Blade Runner 2, I would say, except this is a far more open-ended thing, really is irritating. Um, Disney really, once again... They were kind of pulling what they did with the first Tron film, saying, we'll see how it does. And it just didn't do well enough. And they were just moving on to more IP. And one of the films I'm going to recommend is very much in the same boat as this one. Tron Legacy is one of those rare instances where the sequel surpasses the original. And it's not just because the visual effects are jaw-dropping. The story has emotion this time. There was little else to be found in the original outside of a short, fun adventure into a new world. Like many sci-fi or fantasy films, this story deals with heritage. 
with ancestry. In fact, it deals with it in a far more satisfying way than the Star Wars sequel trilogy ever did. I have always found this long-awaited sequel to be a mesmerizing film to watch. From its sound design to the jaw-dropping visuals and the narrative twist of Tron being the bad guy for most of the film, it's always a joy to return to this sequel. Tron Legacy receives 8 stars out of 10 with a strong recommend. So it should come as no surprise to you listeners that I have owned the Blu-ray for years. It's one that I pull out frequently. It's one that deserves to be watched on the biggest screen possible, on the best screen possible, and with the best sound as possible as well. It it will blow out your subwoofer if you're not careful. It has some crazy sound to it. It makes sense it got nominated for sound design, but ah, it, it should have been more Oscars. But I really do hope to see a proper 4K someday. I think this is prime for a really incredible Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos experience. Hopefully we will get that eventually. Maybe Disney is holding out for Tron 3, which we're about to talk about here in just a second. That's my guess. My guess is it's going to coincide with Tron 3. We're going to get the Tron Legacy 4K. So other TV and film recommendations I have after you check out this one. John Carter. Another Disney film that came out a couple years later that I saw in IMAX with my dad, and it was just a brilliant piece of science fiction. I I adored it. I still do to this day. It's one of those movies I, I could just watch every year again and again. Unfortunately, it didn't do well enough for Disney. It hit around the $400 million box office mark. It just wasn't enough for Disney to greenlight a sequel. Maybe someday I will review John Carter. There are plenty of sequels Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote and novels that you can read, but, you know, fingers crossed, honestly, that John Carter will come back someday. I I think now that we're getting Dune, the Dune hype is a real thing. Foundation is as well. I think people are going to be coming back to John Carter because in many ways, it's the one that started them all. I'm also going to be recommending Oblivion, which was Joseph Kaczynski's follow-up film to Tron Legacy. It is a Tom Cruise sci-fi movie that I think is kind of underrated. I think a lot of people don't really remember it. Um, I know it in, in and of itself, it probably has a cult following. But Oblivion, if you haven't watched it, you really got to check it out. Well, this wasn't quite the end for Tron Legacy, as I have been telling you, actually. There was a short film that was put out shortly after called Tron The Next Day. came out in 2011. It's 10 minutes long. It is attached to the Blu-ray. It does have Bruce Broxleitner, Jeff Bridges, Garrett Hedlund. And it is about this Flynn Lives movement. To me, it seems more of a social media hype more so than anything to get people intrigued whether Flynn does live or not since at the very end of the film he seemingly dies but the biggest twist of all is that Ram was back from the first movie man it really did you know get my hopes up that this was going to you know really spin off into the third Tron film that um it would be Ram Ram would be coming back Well, it was stated right before the film's release that a sequel was in the works bringing back the new characters. In early 2015, Disney publicly greenlit the third film, but a few months later, the project was axed. According to Garrett Hedlund, he said it was because Tomorrowland bombed at the box office and that made Disney very hesitant to put money towards any new sci-fi properties at the time. 
In 2017, director Kaczynski stated Tron 3 wasn't dead, and Jared Leto came out stating he was in talks to play a new character, Ares. The film would either be titled Tron Destiny, Tron Ares, or some even speculated it would be called Tron Ram. I personally have been following all of this for, you know, ever since this news was released. I can't believe it was already 2017 when Jared Leto was talking about Tron Ares. I mean, Leto was saying it, it was a done deal, but it has been a few years. Finally, it was officially announced by deadline in August 2020 that Garth Davis, the director of Lion, had signed on to direct the third Tron film with Jesse Wigato writing the screenplay and Jared Leto still attached to star and produced. Quote, insiders say Davis aggressively pursued the job, eventually winning over execs. So why did Kaczynski not return? Despite Disney's desire to have him come back to direct Tron 3, Disney also wants Daft Punk to come back to compose the score. Well, he was off making another long-anticipated sequel to another's 80s classic, Top Gun Maverick, which Alan and I will be reviewing next year since it was pushed from this year's release calendar. But Tron Legacy wasn't the end for Tron, in fact. On June 7th, 2012, Tron Uprising premiered on Disney XD, the one-season, 19-episode series filled in the gap between the two films. Bruce Boxleitner reprised his role as Tron. Elijah Wood also lent his voice talents to the lead character, Beck. Olivia Wilde reprised her role as Cora, and many more famous talents appeared throughout the series. I personally have watched the entire series and found it very interesting. I enjoy it and appreciate it understanding more of what went on between the films. I give it a recommend. It's currently streaming on Disney Plus or available for digital purchase. Especially if you want to know why Tron became Rensler, what happened, it really does delve into that. Well, listeners, the question after the show is, is Tron Legacy better than Tron? In my opinion, yeah, Tron Legacy is better than the original 1982 film. I like it a lot more, even though I lived with Tron for years and, you know, Tron Legacy came out afterwards, after I had seen the original, I still find it to be a better film. But listeners, I want to know what you think. So send me your messages at silverscreenguide95 at gmail.com. Very curious to know what some of you think. Well, listeners, thank you for joining me on my review of Tron Legacy. This was a fun one to do. It's just honestly one of my favorite science fiction films of all time. You're not going to want to miss next week because this is a, another long-anticipated review. I've been talking about it for over a year. I told you, listeners, that I would eventually bring you my review of the Jason Bourne World TV show, Treadstone. My review is finally coming out next week, so there won't be a Thursday guide for it, but next Monday I will be giving you my thoughts on Universal's attempt to bring Jason Bourne, the world of Jason Bourne, I should say, he's not in it, but it's the world, onto the television format into a you know, 10 hour TV series. So you're not going to want to miss my review. It might not be quite what you're expecting, but in the meantime, I will also link to the Jason Bourne review. So you can listen to all of those, get a refresher on my thoughts of the entire series before I review Treadstone next week. So thank you listeners for coming along with me and I'll see you next week. 
Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.